0: So, if you're new with us today, or maybe you weren't here last week, we are in a four-part series on Advent. And as you heard Paula uh, so eloquently read the text this morning, we're talking about love today. But just by way of reminder, Advent means coming or arrival. It means that something has come, and it comes from a Latin word. And so, when you hear the term Advent being used, it's good to just put in your mind, something's arrived. And so that's why we talk about things having come, specifically the person of Jesus Christ on Christmas morning. And last week, Pastor Trinity talked about hope and that hope is not a wish, right? Like I hope things go well, or I I hope this happens, or I hope the Vikings win today. I mean, hope can be used in many different ways that means wish, but really hope is a confidence expectation, its confidence that god is who he says he is and will do what he said he will do and the beautiful thing is if you've been following along in our advent reading um you've been either getting the text message with the advent reading or there's actual physical copies back there if you're interested and here's here's what the advent reading was for yesterday they they give this phrase in here i thought this was super helpful he said we know That the season of Advent is a time of waiting between two arrivals. But the truth is, it is also a waiting between two victories. And that is where we're at. That every Christmas since the birth of Jesus Christ, we have experienced the first Advent, the first coming of Christ. And now we await the second coming, the first victory and the second victory. And that's why we have hope. And today we're going to look at how love has come. So if you'd bow with me, I'd like to pray and ask God to be part of this time and invite him to speak through me. Would you bow? Lord, I trust that you are the God of all good things. God, that you defined Advent by sending Jesus Christ, victory number one, and that we eagerly await for that second victory when we do get help. From this hurting world that we're a part of, but we expect it because we know that you came and you sent Jesus. So this morning, as we talk about love, God, may it be about you, may it be your words, not mine, that inspire us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, open up to John chapter 3. We're going to camp out in John chapter 3. Uh, It's what you heard read this morning, but I want to break it down a little bit. This is one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture because it's been made famous in a number of different ways. In fact, uh, if you were around in the 70s and the 80s, you would have seen a man, if you watched a major sporting event, by the name of Rollin Stewart. And Rollin Stewart was also known as the Rainbow Man. He would wear a rainbow afro and insert himself behind goalposts uh, behind the podium at the Olympics where they did the medal ceremony. He would intentionally try to get behind home plate at baseball games, at the World Series. And he went everywhere he could with a huge rainbow afro and a verse on his shirt, John three sixteen, And so he made that very famous thing. And, and since then, people have held up you know the cardboard signs with John 3, 16 at sporting events. But in 2009, During the Collegiate World Championships uh, for football, Tim Tebow, on his eye black, wrote the verse John 3.16. And little did you probably know about this, but at that game, 94 million people Googled John 3.16. (laughs) So the word got out, right? I mean, a simple little phrase on somebody's uh, face paint there. He wrote down John 3.16, and 94 million people went to go look at John 3.16. And so this is a a passage that's been talked about for a long time. And I want to point out that this verse is good and it gives it just a really uh, great synopsis of what the gospel is, but there's a lot to this story as we know. And so we're going to talk about that today, but let's look at John three, starting with verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I'm going to talk about three specific truths that are true to God and three things that are true to us that we learn from this passage. One of the things that I know as a pastor is as I read scripture and I have talked with people about this for a long time, I've had to learn about this in my own world and how I read the text, but it's very easy and common to read our understanding of a word into the text. So when you open your Bible up and you read a Bible verse, the first thing that pops in your mind isn't always what that word actually means. So for example, when 94 million people Googled John 3.16 and they saw, for God so loved the world, what did they think about when it came to the word love? Well, one of the things that I know is I use the word love in, in all kinds of different ways, right? Like I, I love pizza, I love my wife, uh, I better change the emphasis in how I use it and I better love my wife more than I love pizza, um, I've loved pets over the years. I've had a lot of different pets. Uh, I grew up with with hamsters, um, and then they'd get out all the time, and I'd find them in air ducts like months later. It was never a good situation. So then I graduated to a yellow lab, and so all throughout my teenage years, I had this yellow lab, and she would hunt with me, and we'd go on adventures, and it was just super fun. And then I went to college, and you can't really have pets at college, so I went on this drought time. But when I got married and moved into seminary, they allowed you to have either fish or birds. So fish have no personalities. Sorry for any of you who are fish lovers, but you really can't interact with them very much unless they're piranhas and you stick your hand in the tank. Then it's major interaction. Um, but birds, on the other hand, are, are you know they can teach them to say things and they talk and it's kind of fun. And so I had this parrot for a while, and then once we got our own home, my wife went out and got a cat. Yes, a cat. I was not too excited about that because I've always been more of a dog person. But this cat came home and. We've had this cat for about 14 years now. It's on its last legs, I, maybe, we'll see. Um, and, and, and then just recently, uh, all of a sudden at our back door, a baby cat shows up, a little kitten. And my kids were playing with it, and then it got cold outside. And so my wife was like, well, we can't just leave it out, outside overnight. And I have a lot of empathy. So I'm like, yep, you're probably right. So it ended up in a box, and then it ended up in the garage. And pretty soon, you know, it was being fed and cared for. And then you know what happens, it becomes your pet. And so I've just gone along with this whole thing. I mean, the bottom line is cats are really easy because you just give them food in a little box to, to do its business in, and then you can leave them for a whole weekend where dogs take a little more, you know, upkeep and such. So I'm okay with cats. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with the cat. So here I am sitting at the kitchen table this week, and I'm playing a game of cribbage with one of my kids. And all of a sudden, we have a Christmas tree up at this point, point. and all of a sudden, I hear a loud, a loud crash. And I had this conversation with my wife. I said, the cat just gets into everything because it likes to play. It's a kitten. Like, that's its nature. So I'm like, don't put the breakable ornaments on the bottom. Um, And for the most part, it was staying out of climbing the tree, probably because I scared it half to death when it did. Um, But it's, it's now knocked off an ornament, and it's broken all over the floor. And I go over to see this cat. And what I see is the picture behind me here. And what's on the floor is my 1987 Minnesota Twins World Series ornament that I'd gotten from the Twins Pro Shop when I went to the parade with my grandmother on the year that the Twins won the World Series, which is very rare in Minnesota sports, and this thing was super precious to me. And so at that moment, I did not love the cat much at all, as you can see. And so the problem is we we nuance words like this all the time, right? We use the word love or hate in different ways. And the truth is that God talks about love in a much different way than I loved that ornament (laughs) or I don't love the cat. Biblical love is more than a feeling. It's caring for someone regardless of their response to you. And it's caring for them perfectly as Jesus demonstrated. That's what biblical love looks like. And at the first advent, the truth that we learn about God is that God loved That God loved. That's the first truth that we learn, and not love like we love, right? We, we, our love is fickle. It has to do with circumstance sometimes. Um, You know, I love when the cat's just laying there on the couch and it looks really, really cute. But then when it does what it did to my ornament, I don't love it anymore. But God's love is not like that, right? God's love is not based on our behavior and praise the Lord that it's not. God's love, he's defining love in this very moment. In fact, the word for love is agapo in the Greek there, and it it means unconditional love. It's the kind of love that you extend to somebody, no matter what they do in return, no matter what they can give to you, no matter what they've done. It's unconditional, no strings attached kind of love. Words themselves do not have meaning. They're given meaning through action. And that's exactly why God sent Jesus. Jesus to be the embodiment of love, to redefine a term that humans have been getting wrong for humanity ever since sin entered the world. And God sends Jesus to accurately, fully and perfectly demonstrate what real love looks like. God's love is for the world. And are you in the world? Then it's for you. It's for you. It's for me. God's love is for all of us. It's unconditional and it's generous. And the second truth, and really what God's love looks like, is that God gave. So first he loved, but then he gave. If you've ever given a really good gift or received a really good gift, you, you think about the context of it, right? And if somebody has a whole bunch of something and they give you one of them, it, it feels like, okay, well, that was nice, but it wasn't very extravagant. But if someone has only one of something, and that's the only thing they have, and they extend it and give it to you, you know it's an extravagant gift. And the text tells us that he gave his one and only son. That is the kind of sacrificial, over-the-top kind of love that God demonstrated, his one and only. It doesn't get much more extravagant than that. Uh, This time of year, I always feel a lot of pressure uh, because I'm a homeowner and everyone puts Christmas lights up right? How many of you guys got your Christmas lights up already? A few people do. Okay. Some of you. Uh, So I I feel this pressure and it always comes during hunting season, which is never the right time because I've got other things to be worried about. I'm not putting Christmas lights up, but, but I'm, you know, I don't want to be that person in the neighborhood uh, who doesn't have anything up. I want to at least make an effort. And so every year I I get some, this box down that's in my attic and my mezzanine in my garage and I pull it down and, and I open it up. And then, you know, some of the lights work, some don't. And fortunately we have LED lights now. So that makes it a lot easier, but I get these lights up and I feel a lot of pressure around them. Um, and then I, I realized some people tend to go over the top with this. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, Thanksgiving weekend, I was, uh, I was at my in-law's house, and my brother-in-law, uh, he recently acquired a 100-foot flagpole from a bank that was trying to get rid of this flagpole. And it was free, except he had to hire a crane and then get the thing sandblasted and redo the innards of it, and it ended up not being so free. But he likes to do things over the top. So we were at their house over Thanksgiving weekend, and he said, here, I want to show you what I did to this flagpole, and you can see behind me. That's over a 100 foot tall with multiple strands of light stuck together, and in their rural community of Elborn, Minnesota, you can see this thing from just about anywhere where there's no tree cover. <laughs> like, you could probably see it from space. It's fantastic, and I went, when he lit the thing up, I went underneath it, and I just looked up, and I'm like, wow, that was so cool to see that. And in a lot of ways, the love of God is so extravagant, so beyond, like, why would I ever even do this? Why would God sacrifice his son? It's just this grandiose, amazing gift to us, like going out and getting a hundred foot pole just to hang lights on for Christmas. It was something he didn't have to do, but he did in an amazing way. It's generous and it's life-changing. And That saves us. That's the third truth. So truth number one is God loved. Truth number two is God gave. And truth number three is God saves. To save the world through him. And it's not simply that you just look at it and enjoy. Um, I want to pay close attention to this right now because here's the thing about church and about Advent and about this time of year is it's really easy to just kind of look at everything and see, oh yeah, it's Advent, it's Christmas, it's about Jesus, But that's like this. That's like getting a wedding invitation in the mail and putting it up on your fridge and just looking at it, but then never actually going to the wedding. It's God's invitation to us, and we experience it when we accept it. You see, God's love, the world can see, and he has made it plain and and invisible. And he's continually bringing it through his messengers all across the world that we live in. But it's not simply for us just to look at and enjoy. It's for us to accept, like an invitation. I can look at that wedding invitation and see what it is, see who the couple is. Um, I can even look at the gift registry. I can see where the wedding's going to be, maybe even the menu on there. And it's really exciting. And I look at that and I'm really happy for them. But if I really want to experience the joy of that moment with that couple, to see them get married and to celebrate with them, I have to accept the invitation. And that's what Advent's all about. God sent Jesus, not just to make a season look really cool and pretty and have a lot of lights up and and do a lot of fun, festive stuff. He sent Jesus as an invitation for us to accept and to know personally and to have a relationship with. God's love for us is to look at and live. It's a life-saving kind of love. It's a universal, available to anyone to accept and to know God's love Uh, There's a story uh, in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. You don't have to turn to it. Maybe later you can read it. It's kind of a neat story. So Numbers chapter 21, the people of Israel are wandering around the desert. Okay. They're between the promised land, which is where they were going and slavery, which is where they were in Egypt. And there's a whole lot of stuff in between, but Numbers 21 will give you more context. They are getting eaten alive by poisonous snakes. Sounds horrible, but that's what's happening. Um, part of it was they were disobedient and it led up to them grumbling and then God sent the snakes and a long story, but you should really read it and see what happens. Well, here's what God says to do. The people cried out to God, save us. And so what God says is to Moses, put a snake, a bronze snake on a pole and hold it up really high. And if the people look to it, they'll live. Now, what does that make you think of? Fast forward to our current day and age. Um, Have any of you ever seen this symbol behind me? So that's an Asclepius pole, comes from a Greek mythological guy who supposedly had this same pole. But even before then, we're looking at the book of Numbers, that Jesus was the one whom God would hold up so that people could look at to be saved. So if you look at John chapter three, you'll see where I'm going with this. John chapter three before verse 16. So starting with the verse 14, look at what it says. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So this story that happened hundreds of years before Jesus even came, was foreshadowing what would happen with Advent, that Jesus came to live this life, to die on a cross, that all of us who accept that invitation by looking to him as Lord and Savior can be saved. And I always think it's fascinating whenever I see that, that Asclepius poll, that uh, imagery that you see in medical fields. It really just reminds me of that moment in Numbers. And then I think of John 3 and how God sent Jesus to be looked at, to be accepted, and to be saved by. The three truths about God is number 1 he loved us, number 2 he gave and number 3 he saves. But there are also three things that are true about us in this passage as well. The first one is that we are perishable. We are perishable. God sent Jesus to save us so that none shall perish. Um, I gave this illustration in the last service too, and my wife corrected me. So I've got the corrected version now. Um, But here's how this goes. So we were sitting around the kitchen table and my daughter wanted a glass of milk. Maybe you can see where this is going. And my wife poured her a glass of milk and handed it to her. And in our house, sometimes things don't get consumed on a timely manner. So they sit in the fridge a lot longer than they ought to. And, you know, my daughter kind of looked at the milk and took a sniff of it. And, and, you know, my wife's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's good. Just drink it. And she took a big, like, big gulp of this sour, rotten, curdled milk that had been totally perished for like, oh, at least a week and spit it out everywhere. (laughs) So now every time that we give her any kind of milk, she kind of looks at us like, you know, what's going to happen here? And she always, you know, smells it first and tests it because, yeah, we've kind of trained her not to trust milk poured by an adult in our house. But the truth is, perishing is part of our our culture, right? Nothing lasts. Everything in this culture that you know, stuff goes bad. Things break. Our bodies break down. Life does not last forever, There's signs of it all over, but yet we have Jesus Christ. He was the beginning of the imperishable. Think about this for a second. So you're celebrating Advent. What you're celebrating is the first person to introduce imperishability to humanity. That we now, through Jesus, do not have to die forever. There's going to be physical death, but we don't have to be gone forever because through Christ we are restored into life with him. And that brings us to the second truth, which is we are responsible. We are responsible. So we're perishable in that we know that someday, 100% chance we're all going to die. But we're also responsible because the text says in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And there's nothing in between. So either we are going to die in our sin or we are going to be accepted into life as we accept the invitation of Christ's life and death. God's love is not forceful. It's invitational. We have to respond to experience it. Just like that invitation, if you really want to know what God's love is, you can't just look at it. You have to say yes to it. You have to say yes to it. And the third truth is this, that we are redeemable. We are redeemable. Um, this was This was a really challenging week for me, um, so the man that I, I mentioned had passed away. Um, Jed, I had just met with two weeks ago uh, he 's forty four years old he 's in great shape. him and I were working together on planning a marriage conference for April for our church body here and he has four daughters, fifteen and younger, and just died suddenly uh, from a medical event and it was it was devastating. When I, when I got the news, it was like somebody punched me in the stomach because how do you, how do you even comprehend the reality of somebody who is healthy, who is uh, with a young family? It's like, why do these things happen? And as I was thinking about it, and, uh, and I went home and I, I hugged my daughters, and I just, I lost it. And they're, you know, Dad, are you okay? And I'm just, I'm ugly crying because I was so broken uh, for his family and for what's going on. But then the only thing that keeps me going is to know that we're redeemable that the physical ending of our lives is not the end because we have Jesus Christ and Advent represents that. That at the time of his birth, we see the first person who will ever die, but never die. And that's Jesus because he's been risen. And we celebrate that in Easter, obviously, but we are redeemable. We can have eternal life. The arrival of love demonstrated in Christ means that we can be redeemed. And so I fully expect someday to see my brother Jed again when Christ returns and when we're risen in him in that new life. God loved, he gave, and he saves. We are perishable, we're responsible, we have to make a decision, and we are redeemable. Love has come to reveal God and redeem us. That's the bottom line. Love has come to reveal God a new definition of love and understanding of what this looks like, how we can be redeemed and to redeem us. So you're either one of two people here today. Uh, either you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've looked at the invitation every Christmas since you were born and you saw the invitation. You knew about the baby Jesus. You understood maybe what God was, but maybe said, no, nah, he's not for me. Accept him. If you want to experience the love of God, Romans 10, 9 says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. That it's as simple as accepting the invitation of who God is, confessing and believing. And if, if that's you after the service and you want to pray, our prayer team will be up here. I'd love to pray with you as well. But maybe you're the second person here. Maybe you've accepted him, but now What? And that's where this gets really fun because if you're in the one-year Bible with us and you got to today's reading in 1 John chapter 4, which I don't think this is any coincidence, you can read this and I'm going to read it for you right now. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 12. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. This last part's really important. And his love is brought to full expression in us. So, Advent is a participation activity. That if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the expression of God's love to those you come in contact with. That's it. Bottom line. You are part of the Advent story. That as God's love is demonstrated through your life, your life is an expression of love to other people. And so this Advent, one of two things. Either accept the imitation, know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or be the expression of God's love to all those around you but know that love has come and God redeems us. Would you bow with me as I pray? God, I'm just so grateful that Christmas is not just about presents. I'm so grateful that the end of life on this earth is not the end. God, we know that as we celebrate Advent and all that the season has to offer, real love is what you demonstrated. It's you sending your son to be love and example of love among us. God, may we be that to other people. May we accept that invitation regularly and consistently that we might know the love that you pour out in us, the person of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your name. Amen.